<clears throat> All right, enough with the small talk. Uh, let's get to it. This is me right here? That's yours, sir. Thank you. WBH Radio host William Holly. My guy is here. Welcome back, son. Tariq Tazgini. How are you, sir? I'm good. Glad to be back. You're one of my favorite people, son. That's, that's not an exaggeration, yeah. too, son. <laughs> I really appreciate you uh, being here. Second appearance. Uh, first time you were here, we discussed a topic that is near and dear to the hearts of many people around the globe. Uh, we discussed the religion of Islam, specifically the holy month of Ramadan. How do we do, man? What kind of feedback did you get? And the only feedback that really mattered to me was my mom. She was with, she was happy with it, you know. To compliment you, she said that you did a good job with the interview. Like you seemed like you was like real well prepared. I tried to be. Yeah. So that was the only feedback I really cared about. <laughs> was my mom. That was it. If moms is with it, then we are right, man. Yeah. I I definitely tried to be. You know, I know the uh, religion of Islam is important to a lot of people, and I tried to be respectful and be knowledgeable, even in asking questions. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty cool that mom said that. At that time, you were the head varsity basketball coach of the George Wingate Generals. Mm -hmm. Today, you are no longer the head varsity basketball coach of the George Wingate Generals. Taz, what happened? So, I had that first year, and then during COVID, there was a COVID, there was a COVID season, mm -hmm. but we didn't Wingate didn't get to play because they were using the gym for testing or vaccination, well, whatever. For whatever reason, we just couldn't play during the COVID year. Mm -hmm. So that was like a, a whole year of not being in, in the gym, in the school. And then um, the athletic director had resigned during that COVID season because they were still doing track, I think. But like because it was COVID and he wasn't working in person, I think, right. he had to resign. Okay. And I don't think he really wanted to yeah, like he didn't really stick want to it anyway. <laughs> he, he wasn't really into it. So uh, they needed to hire an athletic director. And it's funny, I had, a, I had another coach text me like, yo, I just interviewed for... The AD job, and mind you, he coaches basketball at a different school. So, like, you know, I kind of, once he texted me that, I was kind of like, oh, I think I know what's, what's going on here. So, he told me I should try to go for it. And then um, I might have sent, I don't even remember if I sent the email or not. I think I just waited for it. Mm -hmm. I was, like, waiting for the phone call. And then um, they offered it to Mr. Baker from Wingate because he works there. Mm -hmm. So, they figured he would be a good candidate for being an athletic director because he works in the building, you know, little kids and right. stuff. And, you know. To make sure that he get, takes that job, they have to give him on. So, I mean, it kind of sucks. It sucks for me, but just I'm, that job was going to be given away regardless, the way I see it. So, Coach Baker, friend of the show, who's been a guest on the show, uh, he took over as the AD. Mm -hmm. And in taking over as the AD, he became the head basketball coach. How were you notified? Uh, Baker just texted me. He was like, yo, they, they just offered me – this and that, you know, I got I'm thinking about it. And like, I don't blame him because if the shoe was on the other foot, I probably would have had to think about it too. So right. it's not, it ain't no, it's not no thing, but just, it kind of sucked. Cause you know, I was, I was locked in. I wasn't trying to go nowhere. Like I'm For not, sure. a, I'm Taz? Not, I don't like to move around. Yeah. Like I lived in the same apartment my whole life almost. So <laughs> I'm not, I don't like moving. So when I heard that, I was like, oh, that, like it was, it was crushing. Cause you know, I was ready to be a general for the next, however many years I was going to coach for, 40, 50, however long I could take it. For sure, for sure. Us three, me, you, and Baker, we were in grad school together at Brooklyn College, mm -hmm. you know, but I know him from Kingsborough. And your relationship with him goes undergrad. Uh, before that. Y'all went undergrads together. He was a player. I think you were a manager on the team. Mm -hmm. Taz, like, what was that like, son? Like, when I, when I know this was about to play out, I was like, 
dang, this is going to be tough for all parties involved. Like, what was that like? This is the job you wanted. Mm-hmm. It's being taken away from you. And also, one of your guys is in that position. Like, how, how tough was that situation for you? It was tough, but I try to just stick to what's what I can do. If it's something I could do about it or mm-hmm. not. Like, there was literally nothing I could do about it. The job is not mine to be. Um, I had no rights to keep it. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't have no, uh, what's the, what's the, not tenure. Wow, why am I drawing a blank on this? It wasn't yours. Retention rights. There we okay. go. I had no retention rights on the job because I only had it for like a year, technically two. So I had no retention rights on it. And then, and I know at the end of the day, a principal's going to do what they want. Right. So that's what they wanted to do. I had not, none, it was out of my control. I just had to figure it out. Just had to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a great, big, mature take now, two years kind of removed from that. Mm-hmm. But back then, like, was there like a low point, frustration, when you was like, dang, this is really messed up? Yeah, because, you know, I got the job early. You know, I was like 26, 27 mm-hmm. with a varsity job. I was I was lit. Like, there was mm-hmm. no, you know, I felt like I was on top of the world. But then, you know... Crash back to reality a little mm-hmm. bit. Now I'm like, oh, okay, I got to figure out what I'm going to do next. Mm-hmm. Like, where I'm going to go, what I'm, who I'm going to call, you know? And um, Baker actually recommended you for the job initially, right? Which, what are you talking about? The Born? Wingate job. Yeah. yeah he's he, the, he he's the one tex- I put it on your radar. He had texted me the first day of school that year in 2019. He was like, yo, uh, the coach <laughs> retired. Like, yo, Wingate's right there. Yeah. And it's funny because <laughs> I work at Lincoln and Baker was coaching at Dewey. I was fake like, yo, why don't you take the job? And then I'll try to get Dewey. But I think he, he didn't want to leave Dewey because they had a rough year the year before, and he wasn't trying to move around either. Mm-hmm. So he was like, nah, that should be OU. And I was like, all right, I'll go for that. And then we, I did. Yeah, he was at Dewey that year. He had a rough year that first year. And uh, when, when he said that job was open initially, he asked me my two cents. I'm like, yo, you had some, some players that really stuck with you um, during that down year, Mar- Malik Merlis, Siraj El-Sheikh. Like, they looking forward to you coming back. Plus, we had some other players coming in, you know, somebody coming from Far Rock, Abdul Torre, who was a guest on the show, he was coming in. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, bro, those, them folks counting on you. I think he was leaning in that direction anyway, but when he asked me my two cents, that's what I what I said. Yeah. And that's what he uh, referred you for the job. You had it. And then the year after COVID, the opportunity to be AD came up. And again, when he asked me my two cents, I was like, man, the opportunity to be athletic director is something you can't pass up. And, you know, you were a topic of discussion. And when he asked me, I said, not only do I think the AD position is something you can't pass up, but Taz, he going to be all right. You know what I'm saying? And it was because of that first year you had coaching. You remember your record? At Wingate? Yeah. 9 and 12 overall, I want to say. I got 6 and 11. That's Yeah, that's in the league. And then like count down leagues, it was 9 and 12. And people may say that record is not impressive, but you really came on late that year. Like, a lot of your wins were in the second half of the season. And when I see that, I see somebody that perhaps took a little time to implement their Mm -hmm. culture, their plans, their uh, plays, and and, um, put their stamp on the program. And then you guys started to take off a little bit. I think you won three or four straight at one point. Yeah. What was that first year like coaching? Your first varsity gig? As you mentioned, you didn't, you was young. You didn't have any varsity experience before that. What was it like? 
Well, I have ours experience as an assistant. As an assistant, yeah. But, <clears throat> excuse me, it was a smaller school, so, like, you know, the pickings for at tryouts was a little different. So I remember <laughs> being in tryouts, and, like, you know, there was one kid that was, like, 6'1", kind of athletic. I was like, well, Grady, when he said sophomore, I was like, okay, you're on the team. Like, I had, him, I had him starred, like, yo, you're on the team, you belong <laughs> here. But then, you know, it's funny, like, after a while, he didn't belong there, but, you know. So that was, that was part of the, you kind of have to calibrate between levels and stuff, but... It was cool, you know, teaching the game to kids that were brand new. Because mm. when I was an assistant at Adam Street, when I got there, mm. they had already had laid down their foundational year the year before. Mm. So I was in year two. They were already all systems go. So, like, trying to build something from scratch. You know, there was maybe, like, three or four returning players from the year before. Yeah. Only one of them started or played a lot. You know, another one played here and there. And... I, I wasn't there the year before with them, so like teaching everything that I'm trying to teach yeah. and implement from scratch is, it was a challenge, and it didn't it didn't help. Two of my better players were also ineligible in the beginning of the season, so they had to clear they had to get cleared to play. And uh, I think the admin wanted to do appeals or something mm-hmm. like that. So we, waiting on them to get appealed, the first couple of games was pretty ugly. It was rough at first. Oh man, it was rough, very rough, <laughs> very rough. guys. You know, a lot of because it's also too like we didn't practice as much because it was. I feel like that year they had this first game starting like super early, and then we started kind of late. So it was we were looking real like foolish the first couple of games, but I know what I what we were doing was gonna work. We just had to. Just keep doing it and, and just get better. How'd you know it was going to work? Because I'm going to ask you, did you ever question if you were cut out for this? Because it was your first position as a head coach. Mm-hmm. Wingate is a program historically that people care about in this city. You know, they got a big supporter in that neighborhood, Flatbush. Did you ever wonder, like, dang, maybe yeah, I'm not ready for this? No, nah, not really. I just knew it would take time because that's kid. No, not too many people are going to just pick up things like that and run it, like be right. perfect with it. You know, it just takes time. Especially coming from scratch, too. Like, a lot of kids didn't even play organized basketball before varsity, yeah. which is kind of crazy when you think about it. But that's 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 how it is in the city. So I just knew we just had to stay the course, like, and not to bail out. Because then if we bail out, we just wasted the whole, you know, I think we started, like, 0-3. Yeah. Like, if I would have went 0-3 and then, all right, scrap everything, yeah. let's do something new, then, you know, that 0-3 was kind of wasted because yeah. we got to take our lumps early in order to get better. What was your first win? Prospect Heights. Prospect Heights. At Prospect, yeah. I remember that picture because when you were a road team, they put you in like a room that looks like a courtroom. That was exactly... Yeah, they put us in like a mock courtroom. But I was like, yo, we got... I'm not even a big like picture guy. Like, I'm not a picture guy at all. There's probably two photos of me in high school like in the world. But... Nah, I got my first win. Nah, we got to flick it up. I, I had to do that. What's his name? Uh, Omari took the pick for us. That's what's up. That's what's up. Freshman man. back then. Y'all even beat us that year. Yeah, that was a dope game, too. That was a dope game. Uh, the energy was crazy. Coach Baker was coming back to the school that he works in. And uh, that was that was a big-time game. With the frustration. <clears throat> you also work as an AAU coach in Kayvon Baker's program, loyal mm-hmm. to the game. Was it tough to still be working side-by-side with the individual that had replaced you as head coach because t- t- I'm, a fr- I'm not gonna front there was times I thought maybe like we wouldn't see you anymore after what took place yeah I mean the thought crossed my mind like how I'm gonna still do that but <clears throat> at the end of the day and it sounds like I'm trying to win an academy award or something right now but like it's bigger than me like if I would have wanted to part ways with LTG then all the kids I coached in Lincoln probably don't get involved with that or any future kids that I might coach 
don't get involved with the program. And then, like, why am I closing doors on myself and on other kids that were going to be working with me? So I just figured, like, it's – and, again, it's not like it was on some shysty. He was talking about how my back trying to snatch the job. Like, you know, the job was being offered up around around the way. So it is what it is. But I figured it was just be- better for everybody if I just, you know, stuck, stayed loyal to the game. That's crazy. Yeah, you are trying to get Academy Award. <laughs> but, nah, you know, I remember just sitting back and watching this play out. And I was truly impressed by your professionalism, your ability to hang in there. Because even LTG, the AAU program, it practices at George Wingate. Yeah. So you got to walk into the same gym nah, every that, day, Tess. That, that was nothing, too. Like, on some petty stuff, I kind of was like, yo, I'm not going in that building, man. I'm not going in that gym. I want to hear it. But like I said earlier, it's not about me. Yeah. Yeah. Did your family and friends know this is what was going on and playing out? Yeah, but my friends did. My family doesn't just go to school and, and go to work. Like, that was my whole life, just school, school, school. And then now that I work, it's just work. They don't really – they're not too involved in the basketball. But my friends knew about it, and, you know, they're, they're not really in the basketball world either. So they just like, oh, damn, that sucks. And then it's just, all right, whatever. Do what you got to do. I commend you, man, uh, your professionalism, both of you, you know, to be able to come out of that with your working relationship, your personal relationship, your integrity – is uh, truly impressive, man, and and I salute the both of you. I know that was hard for you, young men, uh, both of you getting your career started in this basketball stuff, and to have to go through that, I know that was uncomfortable for him, and I know it was uncomfortable for you, but uh, you guys both uh, came out of it. After that happened, there was an opportunity at Lincoln, yeah, Abraham Lincoln, to be the junior varsity basketball coach. Mm-hmm. And I was hype. I'm like, yo, Taz, this is Abraham Lincoln, one of yeah, the biggest yeah. Uh, yeah, brands the, in the city. Yeah, you, you probably more excited than me. <laughs> you was like, well, it's not varsity basketball. But um, how did the opportunity come about? So I work at Lincoln during the day. So I'm a phys ed teacher there. I've been there for a while at that point. I was there for like three years, I think, yeah. or four years by then. And, you know, I'm I think when I found out it was officially over at Wingate, I was at Lincoln doing a PSL summer program basketball. So I'm already working with the team a little bit, you know, kids that come and work out. And uh, another friend of mine from college, Victoria Matos, is the head coach there. So Head varsity coach. Head varsity coach, right. Mm-hmm. So she was getting her – because I think she had just came off of the COVID season with the kids. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, she was trying to tool up, get ready for the upcoming season. And um, the former JV coach, Coach Dean – he was the head coach for JV, but I think he was moving up to varsity to help out with varsity mm-hmm. as an assistant. So JV was open. So once I told Matos, I was like, yo, damn, I got Grease to Wingate. She was like, yo, we got JV right here for you. And, you know, it was like no hesitation. Like, she was with it. You know, I had uh, I had nowhere else really to go. Like, I probably had maybe one other coach calling me to help him out yeah. where he's at. But I just figured I'd rather just be a head coach somewhere than, mm-hmm. you know, to have means like trying to stick to varsity as an assistant. So And also... A good, it's a good opportunity to coach kids that I teach. Like, I never did that. Well, yeah. I, I actually, I did, I did it actually, but as a head coach, you know? Yeah, yeah. I was hyped because, again, I'm from the, kind of like the outside of this high school world. I don't really know how it works. I'm thinking Abraham Lincoln, even though it's JV, is one of the biggest brands in New York City basketball because of Sebastian Telfair playing there, Lance Stevenson playing there. But it's not like that. Like, there's JV money. And it's varsity money, right? So, like, from a financial perspective, it's, it's, it's not the same. Is it fair to say you kind of, you powdered a little bit 
at the beginning of the JV? Like, oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, not when I started though. Like when I got in the gym, that's it. I'm in the gym. I'm mm-hmm. here to work. This is the job. But like, yeah, sure. Like that summer going into it, I was like, damn man, I really had varsity and now I'm doing JV. 100. I, I told everybody that. But again, there's nothing I could do about it, so I just right. gotta, you know, just shut up and work. So, but, but there was a time when you locked in. Tell me about that when you when you said you walked in the gym, you're like, yo, the pouting is over. Wingate didn't work. Tell me about when you, that conversation you had to yourself, like, yo, it's time to, to get to this now. Yeah, it was just like the fir- first day of practice. Well, I coached volleyball, too, so I was a little late on that. So, mm-hmm. you know, they had tryouts without, kind of without me. I was still running volleyball and stuff. And also, too, I think at the time I wasn't officially hired yet or something. Mm-hmm. Some I don't know, some weird, like, contract. I don't know, whatever. You, uh, you coach stuff. girls volleyball, so that season ran a little late. Yeah, and- it runs into basketball just mm-hmm. a little bit. Mm-hmm. So um, the team was already made. And then, you know, I showed up to the gym. Like, they had practice in the gym next to me one day. And then I just, you know, I'm taking my little peeks and stuff. And then, you Peeking know. Peeking at your own team. Yeah. <laughs> and then just once volleyball was over, I just got in the gym with basketball. And then I was like, all right, just we got to go. We got we got a mission accomplished. And just started working from there. It's go time. Mm-hmm. It's go time. Talk to me about the difference between varsity basketball and junior varsity basketball. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know if it's like just the kids from Lincoln itself, which is this is how JV is. But these kids are funny, man. Like, this, it feels like I'm really dealing with children. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it was cool though. You know, the guys are younger. It's a little more um, like they're a little more um, like blank slates. Yeah. You know, and especially too, like at Lincoln, it's a bigger school. A couple kids came in with some prior experience, so they was picking up on things pretty quick. But then, like, the discipline, like, wouldn't be there, like, on some, I'm 14 years old stuff, like, just, you know, kind of being all over the place or, you know, a little nonsense walking in the hallways in school and things like that. Did you have to adjust your message from what you were doing with the varsity kids at Wingate to now JV? Because, again, these guys are younger. They're a blank slate. Nah, not really. Because I feel like at the end of the day, the goal for every kid that walks into a basketball team or tries out for a basketball team is to become a better basketball player and play on a team that was going to be successful. So whether it's high school, varsity, JV, college, like it's, it's all the same goal. So I feel like it wasn't, I didn't really do too much different between what I was doing at Wingate and Lincoln. And I told them too, I'm like, yo, like yo, I'm running the same stuff I did at Wingate. And the stuff that I'm running from Wingate was like really college stuff that like I learned on the way as as an assistant at Adam Street. So like we're not the the expectations and the standards is still staying where it's at. It's not like going low because it's JV. Right. Right. Working as a sub in the city, there is a difference in maturity between ninth and tenth graders and eleventh and twelfth. Yeah, very. It's night and day. You wouldn't think so because it's a year or two apart. No, it is a big big difference. Big difference. difference. It shows, and it shows when we practice and like little in between stuff just talking to the kids too like outside of the gym is just yeah the maturity is way way different did you have some issues that year where you had to implement some some discipline because of that immaturity yeah i I, um there was a point like you know kids after school you know leaving practice and at that time they had like the bag the bag lunches to grab and go or whatever so like you know kids are picking at it you know nobody Nobody really eats the free-free. They'll just take the whole bag, take the oranges, and then throw the rest out. So then kids started throwing stuff outside of the school, yeah. like literally right in front of the school built door, like mm-hmm. right there in front of the camera and everything. So, you know, you know just a whole a whole issue came from that. I had to kick a kid off of the team that was already hanging on by like mm-hmm. a thin rope. And I, I don't like kicking kids to the curb, but he was he was past three strikes. He was yeah. like, he was, he was messing around too much. 
And um, and then like you know little stuff like kids will roam in the hallway all the time or taking forever to get to class to class. A lot of a lot of stuff that I didn't really have to regulate before. Mm-hmm. It's just like normally kids just you know <clears throat> did what they had to do and went to class. A JV's coach, a JV coach's mission is to kind of develop and prepare the kid for varsity. Mm-hmm. Does that change how you coach at all? Like, does a kid perhaps get more playing time because you're preparing him for varsity? You know what I'm saying? What do you mean? Like, let's say he he's not performing right now, but he's the future of the school, so he got to play uh, regardless. No, nah, there wasn't really no, you know, and I credit Coach Matos and Dean and all the varsity coaching staff. Like, nobody was really trying to, like, put their two cents into things or not even like obviously I take feedback right. sure but like nobody was trying to be like yo you got to play this kid because he's he's up next like right. there was none of that it was just yo coach your team mm-hmm. you remember your JV record 9-11 overall I think okay so I might have the conference record 4-8 and eight. yeah that's the conference record talk to me about the year man was there a time when your team started to really take shape and form and become a unit that season was a lot different from the Wingate season because I feel like we had ample time to get ready right so, I, you know, we was in the gym every day for like a month almost. And our first scrimmage, we looked good. Like, we looked sharp. You know, guys were doing, ran things properly. Like, we, we looked all right. We scrimmaged Curtis, and we was looking okay. Um, we played another – our first game against Canarsie, we, we lost in overtime. Mm-hmm. You know, that was definitely a game that could have went our way if we would have made, you know, one or two less mistakes. And then – and then our first game, I had to start to get down, go down because he broke his hand against Jeff. Mm. Our first home game, he broke his arm or his hand against Jeff. So then we was down to starter, play a couple games, and then another starter breaks his ankle. So then we're going off of that. And then we, you know, we try to adjust and just figure things out as we go. But over the course of the season, it was a lot of it was a lot of ups and downs dealing with young kids like. There's going to be some good days. There's going to be some bad days. There's going to be some days where you're just like, yo, what is going on right now? <laughs> but it's just, it's a part of it. It's a part of this, the growing pains of coaching kids, even varsity. Like, it's the same same game. I went to watch you one time. Uh, you are one of my favorite coaches. You know, no Appreciate lie. That. You know, I like your demeanor. I like the way you interact with your team. You know, they respect you. They don't fear you. I like the back and forward you have. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I, I think sometimes coaches, like, have this this iron fist, and the, the players should never be scared of them. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I went to Iraq, and I had sergeants and NCOs. We didn't fear them. These are the people that's going to help us get back home. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You are their leader. They should respect you but never fear. So I love watching you, Coach. And uh, an added bonus is I was going to watch one of my – friend's son play for you and i get to the game and he's not playing was that the south shore game yes (laughs) yo that that, and another thing too during that season was covid so like that game i think i had like eight people yeah so it was real rough a lot of people were sick or hurt or that was a roller coaster season that was a roller coaster season but what i i learned later is that my friend's son had broke his ankle Mm -hmm. and uh during a game and when I asked my friend about it, he said, yo, I, I never heard my son make that sound before. Yeah. What was that like for you as a teacher, coach, watching your player? Like, what happened? 
I think he might have got a steal or something. He just, you know, transitioned, tried to get a bucket, tried to lay the ball up. Another kid tried to contest. They both fell. Like, you know, I think he fouled them. They fell. And then the kid fell on his ankle, mm-hmm. I want to say. And then, like, he, he, like, shrieked. Like, like he let out, like, a loud yell. You hear it in the film. Like, I don't even like watching that game because of that. And, um, like, I see he's down on the floor. I go. His pops is coaching the other team. So, he's already there. So, it's that was another thing, too. I wasn't too... I wasn't too like worried about him because I knew his dad was right there. Right. So like he was on the bench. I had another assistant was helping out. His dad is right there. So I've, I knew he was gonna be taken care of. But still, like nobody wants to like break a bone or get hurt. Yeah. Nobody wants to see nobody get hurt either. So it's just it was rough. That's one thing I always worry about. Like working in these school buildings, like somebody's kid getting hurt. Like you really responsible as a teacher, as a coach. You really responsible for these people's children. Mm-hmm. How did your team, his teammates, respond to that situation? You mean like in that game, yeah. like basketball wise? Yeah. Played terrible. <laughs> we just we stunk, we stunk it up that game for sure. I'm sure. To see one of your comrades down, mm-hmm. like how could you focus like that? Yeah, we definitely stunk it up. You know, a lot of sloppy turnovers, a little playing second guessing. Like you see the second guessing when the kid yeah. when he gets the ball and it's like oh, like he's not sure what he wants to do. So that, that was a bad one for us, for, for sure. Are you understanding that this is probably going on in the head? At the time, though. I literally didn't even think about that until you just said it. Oh, yeah. I just thought, I was like, yo, why are you playing scared against these <laughs> kids? Because we had played them close the, the game before that, you know, overtime at their house, first game of the year. Like, I, f- I felt like we should have, you know, been good. But then the other kid got hurt before that. And then with Kyle getting hurt that time, it's just, it kind of just didn't help at all. Nah, bro, I seen soldiers that's prepared for war be shaken up mm-hmm. after seeing one of them comrades get hurt. So I can only imagine what it was like for one of them young kids. Especially when my boy said, yo, he said, I never heard my son make that sound. That's crazy, man. That's crazy. I went to watch you a, 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 another game against boys and girls, my alma mater. Now people got to understand, Abraham Lincoln, you guys played in what's considered the top division in the city, the double-A. Mm-hmm. And the JV games are taking place before the varsity games. Right? Correct. The, the, the varsity games, some of these teams are coached by historic figures like Ruth Lovelace at mm-hmm. Boys and Girls, Lawrence Bud Pollard at Thomas Jefferson. What was it like for you as a youngster who looked up to these people, revered these people, to now be coaching in these same gyms? Like, did you ever stop and think, like, wow, I'm nah, yeah, cool play. What was that like? It's cool because it's like I feel like I'm in the big time now. Like, you know, when you're coaching the B division or the A division, it seems more like it's school-oriented and everything. But, like, for AA, it seems it's like, yo, this is basketball. Like, they're trying – like, this is the – like, the top division. Yeah. People care about it. That's nothing too coaching the Lincoln. Like, when I was at Wingate, even though community was involved, like, nobody – or Adam Street – it wasn't really people from the outside that cared about the success of the team like that. Yeah. But at Lincoln, there's guys from around the way. It's like, yo, come on, yeah, y'all gotta like try to support the team. Like, critis- critical if the team's not doing well. I'm just like, oh, snap. it kind of reminded me of Friday Night Lights a little bit, the football movie. Also, yeah, yeah. You know, people in the neighborhood are just like, oh, like they actually really care about <laughs> the team's success. I'm like, oh, this is different. It's cool. Yeah. But it's definitely different from what I'm used to. Did you notice that you know people in the basketball community were we're paying attention. Yeah, I, mem- I remember there was one time at Boys and Girls, and actually this guy was my former teacher. You said somebody at the desk was just like, yo, great game, Coach Tad. Yeah. 
Yeah, like it's funny when he did that. I was like, oh, props, because he's been around the game. He's been, I think he was, uh, he was one of Miss Coach Lovelace's assistants for a while yeah. too. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, he's been around the game. He knows what a good game looks like. So hearing that from him, I'm like, oh, like yo, I really appreciate that. Taz, you was on people radar, son. Yeah. Salute, and you won in boys and girls too, right? Yeah, that was a good one. We came back because we had stunk it up the first half, and then we started, you know, made an adjustment, and then we just turned it up from there, and then. Like once once we started rolling, we was rolling, rolling, and then we came back and won. So that that was one of my favorite. That was one of my favorite games that season. I would say. How long has being a high school basketball coach been a a, a goal of yours? Because I'm gonna mention again, we were in graduate school together. Mm-hmm. This is my first time meeting you. You was a cool dude. I knew Kayvon and a lot of these other people. I ain't know this was on your radar. You oh, know what real? I'm saying? What I remember about you from grad school, <laughs> you told this funny story. You got up and you did a presentation and you talked about almost dying because you were tall and skinny kid. <laughs> nah, I didn't, I didn't almost die. But I know, yeah, the pneumothorax, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's what I remember from grad school, man. Like, this kid is crazy. I have to look up like, what? Because you told us. But, um, yeah, how long has this been a goal of yours, man? I would say since since high school, really. Really? Yeah. I, you know, obviously when you were a little kid, you oh, I want to go to NBA. Everybody, you know, everybody that plays basketball, that's the goal. Right. But then you know you and JV tryouts and you fight for nothing and you got kids grabbing rim. You're kind of like okay, I'm you know let's let's temper expectations a right. bit. And you know I just love being around the game. And even when I was in high school, I saw myself as like a teacher in a way, like wow. not necessarily just like a classroom, but just like I always kind of try to help younger people. Right. Like even senior year of high school, I had a friend of mine from my neighborhood that his freshman year was my senior year and he was coming to school and I'm like yo like I'm trying to, I'm giving him the the do's and don'ts of high school. Right. So I've always been kind of like a, like a nurturer or a grower or molder of like younger people. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's always just been like, I don't know, it's like in me. Yeah. And uh, so obviously I love basketball. And if I love doing that, just put the two together. That's, you got back coaching. And you really paid your dues to be in some of these uh, positions. Mm-hmm. At Brooklyn College, you was a manager for the basketball team. Yeah. And then early on, you would work as a volunteer assistant at Adam Street. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of out of the way. Talk to me about those days paying those, those dues as a manager, as an assistant at Adam Street. So, you know, as a high school player, I wasn't really much of a player. I'm a late bloomer. I was still little and skinny, so I didn't really play that much in high school, except for like a couple scrimmages, you know, scrimmages and maybe one or two non-leagues. So going into college, I didn't think playing basketball was like a goal like possible so I didn't even really try to go for it but then I you know I had a little growth spurt all of a sudden I'm grabbing rims so I'm like you know what I'll try out for the team but it's fresh my freshman year of college I'm thinking all right you know I'll show up for tryouts but it's not like high school there was no big poster saying hey come try out for basketball so I walked in the gym one day and then the curtain at West Quad was down it was practicing already I was like oh snap so you know I tried out the next year after that didn't get didn't make it Tried out the year after that, didn't make it. And then at now at that point, I'm like, all right, I'm a junior. I didn't make the team. I know I want to coach basketball. So I could either blame the coach for not picking me up and then just go about my way, or I could stick around, be a manager, and like learn some things and you know, grow my little network. So I just did that. So, you know, they had me on film first. I would just record the games. And then uh my senior year, I ended up doing the book because our other manager got hurt. So that was, and that was a good experience too, just being around the game. Like that's very valuable. Like I need to know what college basketball looks like if I'm going to coach kids that want to play in college basketball. What's some things you picked up that year? Um, 
just different philosophies from Coach Podias and Coach Shea and all the and Coach Baptiste that was there. Mm-hmm. Meek, Jeff Jean Baptiste was a guest yeah. on this podcast. Yep, Meek was a guest here too, I, I believe. Meek Coach Meek. Shea, who I'll go on about later when I get to Adam Street, <laughs> and Coach P, who's the architect of all the broken college presses that used to probably drive you crazy when you Big was at York. Big time. So you know, just being around the game every day with these guys, learning, picking things up as I go on, mm-hmm. and um. So I started teaching the sheep's head when I graduated. I didn't coach because I was just, you know, I'm trying to save up for grad school. I just focused on that. I would help out the basketball team here and there, sheep's head, but nothing too committed. And then um, Coach Shea had hit me up. He's like, oh, you want to, there's a job opening at Adam Street for phys ed. You want to take the job and then you can, you know, be my assistant for basketball. And I'm like, cool, sign me up. Mm-hmm. I'm down. So then I get to Adam Street. I'm, I'm teaching there phys ed and health, coaching basketball. It's perfect. I'm with Shea every day doing practices and games and all these leagues on the side and stuff. So I'm learning a whole lot with him as well. And, you know, just slowly building myself, building myself into like a legit basketball coach. Legit basketball coach. Mm -hmm. How many years did you serve as an assistant at Adam Street? Uh, Three. Mm. When did you think your first opportunity to be a head coach would come? Were you getting antsy, like three, I'm ready to coach now? Or were you... I think after that third year, I was kind of like, all right, I need something. I like, you know, I want to do my own thing soon. After three years, you know, I was still, I wasn't really too antsy. But then once I heard the wingate opportunity was there, I was kind of like, oh, okay, now like this is a real possibility. So now I'm like, okay, I don't want to be an assistant anymore. Now yeah. I want to be a head coach of my own team. So once once I found out about the opening, I was like, okay, this is. I got to I gotta take it. You were working at Adam Street as a physical education teacher, but then there came a time when you you switched over to Lincoln. Right, yeah. And then you were still serving as an assistant at Adam Street. Yeah. And those were some long drives after school. Yeah, definitely was. Mm-hmm. Uh, but luckily, I think that season, I I used to get out pretty early. Yeah. No. That, no, no, actually, I'm lying. I, I didn't get out early. I don't know. I just figured it out. Just get be on a BQ and sit there for like 40 minutes. Just, you know, you got to get to where you need to be. And uh, but we also practiced later too at Adam yeah. Street, so it's not like I was late for anything. Yeah. So you paid your dues, Tess. Mm-hmm. And that's what one thing I want people to know: it doesn't always come easy, man. This is volunteer opportunities. Not. You went, you learned the sport. Real quick, you mentioned Steve Padias at Brooklyn College. He coached the team for a long time. <laughs> Steve Padias got the craziest coaching tree in New York City. Direct descendants of Steve Padias is Jeffrey Jean Baptiste, who was a the current coach of Brooklyn, mm-hmm. Demeek Man, who's at Clara Barton, Kayvon Baker at Wingate. Baker don't like when I bring that up because him and Padai's got a touchy <laughs> yeah. relationship, right? Hell, Corey McFarlane's out there, Brian Shea, Descendants of Shea, Ju, Tariq Tazgini, you got Anthony McClain and them coming through the pipeline. Like, yo, Padai's. A, yeah. <laughs> a, a lot of people pe- touch. a lot of people from that Brooklyn College, like, at. I'm from that campus that's doing their thing right now. And I heard something people. crazy. Anwar Gladden was on his staff at one point, too. Anwar Gladden was considered oh, the I best woman's coach in the city right mm-hmm. now, coaching the Lady Vikings of South Shore. I haven't been able to confirm that. I feel like I heard that. I don't know if you told me that or somebody. Yeah, you might have been. If it would have been somebody else that told me that, that might as well be yeah. you stamped that as a fact. Hear from two different people. Um, you paid your dues, Taz. Tell me about your coaching philosophy. How would you describe yourself as a coach? I try to develop players and then we'll be competitive because the players are developed. Like mm-hmm. I'm not like a you'll win or else type of person because I feel like, you know, you could cut a lot of corners by winning. Like, yeah. you know, if you just got a big guy, you just slap him in the middle of his zone and then just, you know, get some wins off of that, which is cool. 
but like that's not my philosophy because I want the kid to be a whole like a complete basketball player. You got to learn how to play man. You got to learn different things. You got to learn how to learn too. That's that's another thing too. That's especially for JV when I was there last year. Like I wanted to play strictly man because that's my thing, and also too like if I could teach a kid how to play man, I could teach him how to play any type of zone or matchup or press or anything because it's a lot of principles that are still applied everywhere. Mm -hmm. And also it's just it's more difficult. You know, rotating out, helping, helping the helper. So, like, if we play something else, learning that would be a lot simpler because they already did the complicated stuff. And Taz, a lot of coaches don't like to teach young people men. They just give up on I, it. Yeah, I hear that, and I get why. Because, like, as as a coach at Wingate, you know, the man to man was look our man to man was looking crazy the first mm -hmm. couple games because kids were still clueless. But that's why I said, you know, we couldn't scrap it because we didn't just loop, get blown out three, four games to go do something else and figure it out from new. Like, we already we already took our lumps in that, so now we got to get our flowers, too. Like, yeah. we got to start to defend well. And we did, eventually. With, it takes time. With, with man, kids got to have their head on a the swivel. They got to mm -hmm. be uh, have some lateral quickness. They got to move their feet. They got to be in help. Got to talk. Most coaches just say, you know what, throw them kids in the zone and let them just sit there and wait for the ball to come to them. Why is man a staple for uh, Tariq Tazghini coach team? Well, for starters, I like to do things that aren't really um, – common right so if every team is playing zone I like to play man and also too i feel like man to man like you can make a team uncomfortable especially if you pressure the ball a little bit like we like to get up the line and stuff so if you if you pressure the ball pressure the ball handlers deny passes like team's gonna get comfortable they can't really run their stuff well so that that's our advantage mm -hmm. so I, I definitely like to make teams uncomfortable on our defensive end mm -hmm. What about your leadership philosophy? I've been talking about that a lot. That's not specific to any sport or industry. Leadership is just about connecting people, about getting people to move towards a desired goal. Mm -hmm. I already mentioned you're one of my favorite coaches. You know what I'm saying? How would you describe your leadership philosophy? I don't even know. Or style. How do you go about connecting with your team? Honestly, even though I'm, I'm, it's weird. Like I feel like I do a good job of being like crazy strict and like no nonsense mm -hmm. to being completely like full of jokes and like just messing around. So I don't know how I do it, but I just, I just figure it out. Like you do have that balance. Yeah. Like I, I, I told that line pretty well, you know, <laughs> when we in the gym and we're practicing and got guys aren't, you know, trying to do things proper like this. And that's my main thing too. Like I'm not much of a yeller or like going crazy. Cause one, I'm not that loud, but if, if you're supposed to do something X, Y, Z way, and then you doing ABC way, then I'm wilding out because mm -hmm. you're not going to get better that way. And I do the same thing with my volleyball team too. And it's like even more prevalent with them because yeah. they're such beginners that we need to do things correctly so that we can get better at them. Mm -hmm. So even, even like you said, leadership across all things, volleyball, basketball, teaching, like mm -hmm. we need to do things the right way so that we can get good at them because you're not going to get, you won't improve if you're not practicing well. And uh, I had a professor at Brooklyn College. He always said it. It was like, uh, he used to say, practice does not make perfect. Perfect, perfect. practice makes perfect. perfect. Yeah. So that's, that's like my key. That's like my quote right there. Just, you got to do things correctly in order to get good. Got you. Got you. What's your greatest strength as a coach? In-game execution, uh, conditioning, uh, you mentioned developing. Like what? You say, yo, this is my strength. Hmm. I think, um, damn, do I even have any strengths? I haven't even broke 500 of course, yet. <laughs> of course you got some strengths, Taz. Uh, I don't know. I want to say, I feel like I teach things well. Okay. You know, it sounds corny, but like I'm more of a teacher than a 
basketball person. Yeah. And I feel like all coaches, that's like all, at least all really good coaches probably would say the same thing. Like you're, you gotta be more of a teacher versus basketball player that's coaching or, you know, sure. basketball guy or sure. expert. So I think I, I do a good job of like teaching things to them, whether it's a play, whether it's a defense, whether it's a, a move, whatever it is, like just, you know, teaching the game is probably one of my better strengths. Without question. Without question, and I was talking to another coach the other day, John Wooden was an All-American player at Purdue, and then he went to coaching, and he was like, man, I, I'm not that good at teaching the game. And he had to learn how to articulate and teach the game. That's when he came up with his pyramid of success. One year as a junior varsity basketball coach at Abraham Lincoln, some varsity opportunities start coming your way, or at least you started hearing oh, about yeah, some. Yeah. yeah, that's true. So I heard about one school, like it was the springtime almost. I sent the email out, didn't get no response the whole summer. So I'm like, all right, I guess whatever, you know, they probably just found somebody in the building. And then school year starts, still nothing. Then I get the email like, oh, you know, we're going to do a demo practice, come by. I'm like, oh, this is it. Like I really wanted that job. This yeah. is it, Taz. I was hyped for you. I'm yeah. like, yo, this is it, my boy. So I'm looking forward to that. I go do my demo. I think I do a good job. It's, it's weird, though. Like, like a 20-minute demo practice is like I never even heard. Like, I heard a demo lessons for teaching a class, right. but not like a basketball practice because there's so much I feel like I could do. So demo practice. You in there with actual kids from the school? At, from the team, yeah. The athletic director's looking over your shoulder? And the principal was there, too. I the, was like, oh, the principal's involved? Now I really want, like, you know, I really wanted to be there. What was that like? It was cool. I've, I've been to the school before because it's like around my way. Yeah. So I'm, I was familiar with the gym and I was even familiar with one of the kids like knew me from Lincoln yeah. too because he knew Coach Dean. And, uh, you know, I, it was cool. I just, you know, put him through a couple drills that they probably never did. Cause you had your 20 minutes scripted. Yeah, but that 20 minutes flew, <laughs> flew. I, bro, I had like five things I wanted to do and we ended up doing like two and a half. I right. swear it was, it was, it was, that 20 minutes flew by. And then, you know, I just, you know, went my, went my way. Didn't hear anything from them for like about a week. Did you feel like you nailed it? I feel like I executed. Yeah. Like I did a good job in the demo, but I don't know. You know, I don't know what they want. Right. You know, and also as a, as a coach and like a teacher and all the UFT stuff, like I know like I could be the greatest coach in the world, but if a teacher in the school is all of a sudden like, hey, can I coach basketball? Like they kind of they got to lean that way, mm -hmm. which I understand too, because you want people in the building that's gonna be there for your team, for the kids on the team. But so I, you know, I'm. I'm not the most optimistic person in the world, but I feel like I did a good job. And then um, while I'm still waiting, I hear about another opportunity at Borum Hill. So I'm like, oh, okay. But I really was <clears throat> waiting for the, to hear from Teller first. Oh, whatever. I guess. <laughs> the first school you did the demo for, right? Yeah, yeah, the first school I did the demo for. So I got the email. I sent the email out to Borum. And then... The other school hit me and was like, yo, we're not, you know, picking somebody else. I'm like, oh, damn. All right. So then I emailed, no, I emailed Borum right after I got that email from the other school. The first school you did the demonstration for said, you know, uh, we're going in a different direction. Yeah. And then once I seen that, I was like, all right, boom. Emailed the athletic director at Borum Hill. He emailed me back in like an hour or so. Like, he was like, yo, can we talk on the phone later? I was like, yeah, definitely. So I had a little phone interview with them. And then he said he was going to decide, you know, he's going to, you know, talk to other candidates and whatnot. And then. It was like a couple of days later, over the weekend, like in the middle of the week, the next week, he just gave me the call. I was like, "Yo, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna move forward and want to hire you." And I was like, "Okay, sign me up." With the PSAL, again, guys like Tariq that's been in the PSAL, been in the DOE for a long time. It's not legit 
to them until their name appears on the PSAL website. What was it like when you saw your name as the head varsity basketball coach of the Barm Hill Panthers? Jaguars. 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 Forgive Jaguars. me. What was it like when you saw your name up there on the website, man? It was cool, but it still didn't feel real because I wasn't in the gym yet. Like I, I legit never. St- I still have like I haven't stepped foot in there yet. Like I didn't. I didn't go in for an interview. I didn't go in for a demo practice. I never stepped foot in that building yeah. until I'd been had gotten hired already. So it didn't feel real. And I was. I remember saying this to like everybody I know. Like, oh, you excited? I'm like, yo, I don't even. It doesn't even feel like it happened yet. Mm-hmm. So, how'd was, you first learn about that opportunity? <clears throat> It's funny, two of my friends had emailed it to me like within five minutes mm-hmm. apart. So I guess they, you know, athletic directors blast out emails to other athletic yeah. directors when they need a candidate. So he had done, the athletic director from Borum had actually did that. Baker's an athletic director at Wingate. Shay's, Adam, Shay's the athletic director at Adam Street. So they both sent me a text like, yo, right here. So I said, okay. So Kayvon Baker, the man who had recommended you for the Wingate job, and would ultimately replace you as the head coach of Wingate, sends you a blast about this now new varsity position. Mm-hmm. He would also write a recommendation too, no? Yeah, him and Shay both, they both did that. And he, the, the athletic director had mentioned it too. Let's stay here for a minute. This is like a sterling example of what maintaining your integrity can do. It's true. Like, it's like, serious, Taz, like, you could have just blew people off. You could have said middle finger. Mm-hmm. But you conducted yourself honorably even when you were disappointed, even when it was a tough situation. And because of that, you know, you had a network to rely on to, to keep you informed of different opportunities, to, to write recommendations. We go back to your time being a volunteer assistant, you know, you didn't make the Brooklyn College team, but you said, you know what? I'm going to use this opportunity to learn something, expand my network. Mm-hmm. Two guys you mentioned, Brian Shea, Kayvon Baker, individuals that were around that team. Uh, Baker was playing. Shea was coaching. You said, you know, I'm going to use this opportunity. And it paid dividends in the end. Definitely did. And that's what this I wanted this podcast to be about. Salute to you. Salute to all parties involved, man. I want your young athletes to know that, yo, you really paid your dues. You know what I'm saying? Like, you've been through the run. And I don't even think you knew it. When I was telling you, yo, Taz, I want you to podcast. You're like, yo, what are we going to talk about? Like, yo, bro, you got a story. You got a story to tell. Mm-hmm. Now, Borm Hill. Jaguars. 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 There's a young man on that team. I don't want to mention his name. I don't want to put pressure on these kids. I'll let the kids be kids. There's a young man on that team. Mm-hmm who many would consider the best player. That's subjective. Objectively speaking, he was the leading scorer last year. Nah, he actually wasn't. There what? Was, nah, there was another kid. He graduated, though, but there was another kid that he did, He was the leading scorer, leading rebounder. Like, he oh, did. Wow. He put well, a lot of work. that kid I'm talking about, he torched us when he came to Wingo, okay. right? All right. This young man, who's pr- probably going to play big minutes for you this year, he was with us all summer with LTG. Mm-hmm. That was another thing that helped get the job too. That I already coached their best player returning, and you know, I'm I'm sure he was like signed off. His, his parents signed off. You know, spoke highly of me probably, and you know, again, guys Taz, looking forward to it. That's doing part to you, staying the course, hanging with LTG. Like mm-hmm. it kind of all coming full circle. So one of your better players, you're very familiar with. What was it like when you first walked into the gym as the head coach? 
for the Balm Hill Jaguars. So there was there's a coach. Uh, he used to work there as a sub. So and he's still like involved with the school. So he was running workouts like twice, two three times a week for them, which was great because you know kids need to get in shape. While they were looking for a head coach, he was yeah, holding he was it down. Yeah. So I walk in the gym. I know him, Coach Byam. I knew him because I had followed him on Instagram for like years already. Mm-hmm. And then on the phone, that that left director was telling me what was going on. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I heard the name. I'm like, wait, that sounds really familiar. Mm-hmm. And then I know I know it's do that I randomly just followed on Instagram. So he did a good job, you know, holding it down, you know, putting them in workouts, keeping them sharp. And I'm walking in the gym, but like aside from him, I don't know nobody. Like I don't even know who that third threat looks like. I don't even I only know the one player that I've seen before and then that was it. So I'm walking in the gym and I just see guys like, you know, working out. But I'm, you know, I'm taking looks who's who. But it was kind of weird because, you know, there's a couple middle school kids working out, there's a couple managers working out. So I didn't know who was who exactly, but it was cool because like that that was gonna be my program. So just you know meeting new people, seeing all the kids, talking to them afterwards. You know like hey guys, I'm I'm your, I'm your new coach. Like let's get ready to work. How conscious are you about making a first impression with new kids, a new team? I mean you're a teacher, so you walk into the classroom for the first time many a times. But how 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 conscious are you of yo? I need to make a first impression. I need to be stern. I need to be this. Like talk to me about that. I didn't really. I don't really, I didn't really care about that because one, the kids want to be there. Mm-hmm. Like a first impression might be important when you got to convince somebody something, you know? So that they're already trying out for the team. They're already on the team. Like they already want to play basketball. They go to the school. They're not, you know, they're already on. They, a first impression isn't as important. And also too, it's going to, they're going to see me every day for the next like four months or however long the season is. So like that first impression is going to go, even if it is a good, bad one, it's not going to matter because they're going to have, five months of me every day. So it's, I, I didn't really put too much stock into that. I didn't, that didn't cross my mind at all. Where do you begin? This team, those players are familiar with, with each other. You're the new person, mm-hmm. but you're the authority figure. Like, where do you start? You're, you're learning your team while also trying to coach them. Like, talk to me about that dynamic. So it's true. You know, looking at them at the workouts and at tryouts, you know, I'm trying to think what could we do because, you know, I got my foundational stuff that I just want every team that I ever have to do. But also I got to be aware that, you know, every team's not the same. You know, we worked at Adam Street when we had real small and fast and we worked at Wingate when we were a little bit taller. Like it's not the same as a JV at Lincoln. So every team is different. So I just sat down and tried to think like, all right, what could we do that is going to put us in a best in a best possible situation to score and defend, like offensively and defensively. So, you know, I you know, I went to a clinic, watched some YouTube videos, just try to learn the game, try to learn some new things. And offensively, we're trying new stuff that I haven't ran before. Defensively, we're sticking with my regular stuff for now, but you never know. Things as the season goes on, you might you might need to adjust, you might need to adapt. What did that player from LTG say when he first saw you as his head coach now? <laughs> He didn't even say nothing. Like he was just like, all right, see you later. Like he, he didn't really. I was talking to him a little bit over the phone, like, like you know what's going on, and he gave me the rundown. But like he didn't really like, you know. But I'm, I'm a quiet person too, though. So like, you know, my 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 mama walk in and I was be like, oh hey, and, you know. So I'm not much of a talker. So when another kid doesn't really try to like talk to me too much or whatever, I don't really take that as a like sign of disinterest yeah. or anything. I'm just like, ah, right, you know, just don't feel like talking. Taz, you back at the show, baby. Back. You back at the show, varsity basketball. Mm-hmm. What'd you tell Lincoln when it was time to go? What was that? 
Like, <laughs> Yo, they had found out before I did. Oh, shoot, they um, they found out what before you did about like the interviews and or demo practices and stuff. It was weird. So, cause a kid, uh, they like, found out before you told them. Yeah. So <laughs> the kid from the first school, you know, hit up Coach Dean and was like, "Yo, you know this guy." And then so then that's how the basketball coaches found out. Which, you know, I wanted to get ahead of it and to let them know, but I wanted to know if it was serious first, cause I had been on an interview before for teaching. Where I was on my way to the demo lesson, I had an interview already. I was on my way to the demo lesson. I'm printing out my lesson plan at Staples, and then as I'm printing it out, I see an email pop up, and it's like, "Yeah, never mind, don't come." Wow. Literally, like 30 minutes before the interview. Right. So I always will try to wait until like it's a real like offer. Or, so that name is on the website. <laughs> nah, maybe not. Nah, that, then that would be too late. But at least like a of legit offer, because mm-hmm. you know, especially that's because coaching is just the per session thing. So that's not even. Like, that could just come and go. Like, they could offer it, take it right back. So I wanted to wait until it's, like, a legit, like, yo, we want you to be the coach here. So that's what happened with the first school. And then the second school, and then at Borum Hill, apparently the principal at the school knows the principal at Lincoln. So she had, like, probably hit him up or something. and was just like, hey, you know, do you know Coach Taz? And he was like, oh, really? So <laughs> I'm sure the athletic director might have caught a little, you know, caught a little slack for that. I, t- I told her too. I was like, yo, my bad. But I told her the same thing that I told you just now. Like, I want to wait till things are actually sure. legit. Like, you know, I just had a phone call with the guy. That doesn't mean, like, I'm being offered anything. Yeah, yeah. And again, learning this DOE stuff from you guys, these jobs are hard to come by. Because if somebody gets locked in, what do you call retention rights? Yeah, for the coaching, it's retention rights. If somebody gets locked in, what is it, two years? I feel like it was two, and now it might be three. I don't know, but it's something like that. It's hard to get them removed. Mm -hmm. So somebody could get into one of these jobs for three years, and they could be locked in forever, no matter how good or bad they they coach. Mm -hmm. So just think about it. Like, if you you went to Boys and Girls, and you had desires of having that job in this lifetime, nah, that belongs to Lovelace, and nobody can remove her. Mm -hmm. Uh, See, me, I was thinking of it like professional sports. Like, oh, if they had a bad record, they get fired, get somebody... Nah, not in a DOE, mm. not in PSAO. So these jobs are hard to come by, man. And I'm so extremely happy that you are back at the show. What do you know about Borm Hill before you became head coach? Like, what's the school's history in this city? I know it was called Global Studies. Beforehand, like like around when I was in high school and before before that, really, was, yeah, it was called Global Studies High School or Global Studies, some whatever, okay. High School of Global Studies. There we okay. go. So, I I think maybe like two of my older friends from up the block like went there. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think they ever said it was like a great school, but then I don't know. I, I think as the the neighborhood changed, the school changed a little bit mm-hmm. or a lot. So, and it's not just Borum Hills. There's Digital Tech High School in there also, okay. and then there's a charter school for like elementary schools in there as well. So. Yeah, I didn't really know too much about it. I just knew it was downtown, and it was like a nice, like a nice little school. Mm-hmm. And that there's a middle school there too. Okay. I've realized that late too, because when I'm looking, I see there's however many students that are enrolled at Borum Hill. But then I'm thinking, all right, for a high school, that's not too bad. Yeah. But then I realize, oh shoot, it's not just like it's for both high school and middle school. So it definitely, I didn't realize how small of a high school it is. Mm-hmm. But I didn't really know too much about it. I had a few coaches come on this podcast, Lovelace, but they talk about the importance of working in the same building that you're coaching. Mm. 
that's not going to be a situation. You work at Abraham Lincoln, your coach at Barham Hill. Mm-hmm. How much of a challenge is this? It's not, I wouldn't know it's a challenge until something challenging happens. Mm-hmm. So as of right now, everything's cool because like kids on the team don't really get into trouble. You know, guys normally do what they're supposed to do. So I guess that's gonna help smooth things over. But I'm sure if people start acting up, it's gonna be a thing. But I think as long as the communications is open between me and the dean of the school or the principal or the AP, whoever's in charge of like uh, discipline and stuff. I think it should be fine because that's because when I was at Adam Street, Coach Shea never worked there, but he would know about things before the kids even found out. Like so, as long as that communication is flowing between on both sides, I think it shouldn't be an issue. From a basketball perspective, just connecting with kids that like, cause you're a basketball coach. If you're on a campus, you might recognize a kid that has potential who mm. had no interest in coming to tryouts. You may be able to snatch him up. Or you can connect with the students that could be potential managers. Like, how do you plan on being a presence on the campus? Well, first, the athletic director is also the phys ed teacher, mm-hmm. so he like he he has his eyes he has his eyes out for you know kids that could potentially be on the team and whatnot. Like, even at tryouts, he gave me the run like when I went to the workouts, he gave me the rundown. Like, oh, this kid is it? Like, who's who and who who could hang, who can't? So he helps out a lot with that, and then. Probably once the season ends, I'll probably have to, like, tap into the middle school kids at the school and just try to start, you know, running a little Grooming workout. Yeah, 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 got to. Would you consider moving to Barm Hill to work? I don't know, man. I like it at Lincoln. <laughs> and that parking is rough over there. <laughs> and it's a shared campus, too. Like, I'm not trying to – I'm not – I did that at Sheep's Head and Adam Street. I'm not, I'm not with the shared gyms, man. I'm not – I want my gym, and it'd be my kids, and then that's it. Nobody walking through, nobody on the other side peeking their head in. Like. Share gym with who? Like multiple schools in one building? Yeah. Abraham Lincoln is one of the few schools with still just one principal, one mm-hmm. everything. And it just makes things smoother, too, especially for phys ed and sports. Like, so much smoother. I don't got to worry about – because when I was a sheep, that was, like, the big issue. Like, I got to I gotta have – I got to be able to manage my class, and then I got to manage the other class because them kids is coming to my side trying to fool around and stuff, and I got to tell them, like, yo, I got to get out of here, like. So that that was like a, that's a big pain, and I'm not trying to I'm not trying to go back to that. I asked you about your greatest strength as a coach. What do you think is an area you could uh, uh, could use the most improvement? I mean, obviously, I got to learn a little bit more. Well, not even a little bit, just like a lot. I got to learn more in general, and uh, I would say a lot of times I'm too focused on what we practiced. Mm-hmm. And I'm worrying about what we're in, what we're going to do versus just, yo, number five is killing us. So let's stop number five. Like, you know, that's the, a basic just like, yo, this guy's rebounding a lot. We got to fix that. You know, I always try to I've, sometimes I look too much at the big picture mm-hmm. and forget about the one. <laughs> like, yeah, it was kids wide open, yeah. you know, stuff like that. What do you want out of this basketball stuff, man? What would you consider a successful ter- uh, tenure at, at Borum Hill? To me, I would be happy if all my kids is graduating, going to college, or going to do whatever they it is that they want to do, and then they're able to just do it well. Mm-hmm. That's my main goal. I don't. I'm not really a big championship guy. I'm not a big. Uh, my guys go D1 guy. Like I, I just want my guys to be successful in whatever they do, whether it's basketball, cooking, you know, being a day trip. I don't know whatever whatever career they choose or hobby they choose. Like whatever it is, they just need to be good at it because. Mm-hmm. That's why at practice I try to 
perfect practice makes perfect because that's that same model mm-hmm. applies to everything that a kid's gonna do. So if they if they do things the right way in their career choice that they want to do in college, or if they want to pick up a career right away, if they apply those same principles from basketball mm-hmm. into the outside world, then they'll be they'll be a successful person. Mm-hmm. We gotta get you a good assistant. Yeah, I got I got one. I think he just texted me actually. <laughs> Cause you over there by yourself, Taz. Yeah, I got one. He's he played for me at Adam Street, but you know, young guy, he got his career. He got to worry about too. Mm-hmm. He's like doing dabbling in real estate and playing in like a semi pro thing too. Like he's got a lot going on, so it's hard. It's hard to get somebody that's gonna be able to like lock in and be able to be there like really consistently. For sure, for sure. Especially when we talk about building a program. And trying to give the kids as many resources as we can, mm-hmm. you know, and that's why I asked about perhaps maybe an area you need most improvement. Because as coaches, we ask kids to be disciplined, we ask them to be selfless, we ask them to sacrifice, we ask them to step out of comfort zones. As coaches, we're not exempt from that process either. Mm-hmm. You know, we got to continue to work to be the best versions of ourselves. And it's harder when you the coach, and there's nobody to check you. So you got to kind of check yourself mm-hmm. and make sure you are continuing to improve. As well, man. And we have blind spots. We have deficiencies. And if we understand that, that's how, that's the beginning of you shaping your coaching staff. Mm-hmm. You know, that may be an area I'm not too good in. Let me go yeah. get somebody that can help offset that. You know what I'm saying? Sure. So we got to find you somebody that just, like, tear up the streets and sell your story. You know, because, again, I think you are an excellent coach, man. I, I love watching you. I love how you interact with the with the youngsters, and I look forward to what's going to take place at Bourne Hill. They made the playoffs last year and won a game. So if they don't this year, Taz... <laughs> they, got a, they got another coach. No, nah, man. <laughs> nah, it's true. It's, it's weird. It's funny because, um, you know, JV, there was a COVID season the year before. Yeah. And then at Wingate, they were really they were really bad the couple years before I got there. Mm-hmm. So th- th- I feel like there's some actual expectations a little bit now. But, I mean, I'm joking around by saying that, but, like, what I said before, but I really I don't care about last year. Like mm-hmm. I'm here, and I care about what we're about to do, not yeah. what, what happened before. You know. When's your first game? Tuesday, I want to say against T- who? At McKinney. At McKinney. Uh, what's your gym like? I never even stepped in there. It's a middle school gym, uh, so it's kind of small. Yeah. And it's and it needs some love. The, the <laughs> athletic director told me he's like, yeah, we're trying to get it fixed, but we've been trying to get it fixed for five years and still nothing. So. Yeah. We wanna we wanna fix it up nice and extend it to where it's a high school size court. So, cause it's space like the wall is like there's a basketball court and then the wall is like a lot further back. So yeah. we could extend it to a full high school gym. So hopefully that gets put through after the season or something, and then we could you know have copy. a nice have a nice brand new gym. Copy copy. Uh, it was early September, <clears throat> and you hit me. You was like, Yo, well, we about to go back to school, man. What kind of what kind of content you got? And in my head, I was laughing. I'm like, yo, bro, content. I got the content of content coming, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I got the PSAL executive director coming on, Ray Haskins. Um, he came on and he talked about the possible realigning of the PSAL basketball division. Well, there's three levels now, B division, A division, and double A. Double A considered the best competition. Us at Wingate, we're in the A. You are at Borm Hill. You are in the A. What did you think about the realigning? I think I didn't really agree with it too much. 
I mean, for, again, this is similar to the whole Wingate thing when I was let go there. It's out of my hands. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not a decision maker in it, so whatever happens, I'm going to just deal with it. But I think the way they had it set up was good because, you know, you got your uber competitive teams that really get after it in the double A. And then you got your good, solid teams in the, or your regular sized schools in the A division. And then the smaller schools are in the B. So I felt like that was just the perfect way to handle it. And, uh, but they wanted to switch it because, you know, kids trying to transfer to double A's because they're in the B or the A, which, which makes sense. But the switch would have been, I mean, I would have just been like, okay, we got to play against the big dogs now. That's fine. Like, I was with it, but they went back to it. And you have experience in both. I mean, you work in the double A building, Lincoln. Mm-hmm. So you're around those conversations. You coach JV, and then you've coached at the A division, Wingate, and mm-hmm. now Borum Hill. And in the B2 with Adam Street. Right. Excuse me. For those who may not understand or may not know, what would be the reason people wouldn't want to compete against AA schools? Like, why would you want to be locked into what's considered an underclass? Who are we talk? Who's like? Whose eyes are we looking through right now, though? Just a casual observer, a parent. Like, I want my school to be able to compete against the best and possibly compete for the biggest championship in the city. Why would we stay locked into the A? Oh, I get what you're saying. It's true, but a lot of times, especially with the AA schools, like they have their whole framework set up already. They got their they got their feeder programs. They got their coaches that you know, big coaching staff. Like like for example, me. Like if we was a, in a AA, like I'm by myself for now. <laughs> especially right now, I'm just starting out. But if I'm by myself, like how much recruitment can I do? Like yeah. you know, Jeff got like three, four, five coaches. You know, each kid, each coach gets a recruit. You know, you got a whole five with you. So it definitely would make things really challenging for, like, the smaller schools in the A division. I'm sure, like, you know, the transits and stuff, they're competing, no problem. Right. But over, over the course of the time, you don't, you don't know which way it's going to go. If you have a down year, you're going to be really down because now you're playing against, you know, how they had it, like, two double A's in each division. Like, those are going to be two t- four tough games. And then if you're down, you know, it might hurt a lot. What do you think that about us going through that whole podcast? There was so much conversation created just for the PSAL. So you know what? Scratch that. We're gonna stay the traditional way. Mm-hmm. Three levels: double A, single A, and B. I mean, I don't know if they. I don't know. Did they? I don't know if you spoke on. I'm pretty sure you didn't speak on it in the interview. But did they like survey coaches and parents or anything like that before that decision? Or did no. they? No. Nah. Right. Oh. Ray Haskins won a city championship in this city. He won a, 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 a conference championship as a D1 college coach. We got Tiny Morton up there who uh, brought Lincoln around the world, won eight championships. Shouldn't should, their opinion be enough? It's a good point. But you know what it is? It's, they're dealing with kids. Yeah. You know, these kids need to sign permission slips to play basketball and to go on trips and to do anything. So, you know, you always got to have the parents okay for anything as far as education goes because that's you know that's what we're in this is education it's not just basketball so i'm sure parents probably just complain like crazy or something that's what i i feel like i heard that too that a lot of parents were like complaining like above the psal to like politicians or something like that and that's when i saw that they weren't able to go through with their plans we had to stay pat that was my initial reaction like somebody pushed back Mm -hmm. somebody's fighting them whether it's principals coaches parents and I'm a little disappointed in that. You know, I felt we had smart people, Ray Haskins, Tiny Moore. Whether you like them or not, I feel like they've accomplished a lot in this sport. And let's give it a shot. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sad they weren't able to, to go through with what 
they they intended to do. You know, I'm not one of these people that think, oh, just because I disagree with something, that is wrong. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I, whether you agree with something or not, like, sometimes you just got to follow the lead of people who, who know a little bit more or who've experienced different things. So I, I'm disappointed that I wasn't able to, to go through. Uh, with Mr. Ray Haskins, I wonder if people understand how special it was for him to come here. You know, somebody with that position, mm-hmm. he could have took that story to the Daily News, to the New York Post, to the New York Times. He came and sat my little small town platform. Time. That was big time. Yo, bro, I didn't even want to tell anybody because I ain't know if it was really about to go down the way I thought it was about to go down. When you hit me, you was like, yo, well, you gotta, I was like, yo, bro, I, I think I'm about to get a pretty big interview. I'm going to call you tomorrow. We're going to come up with some questions. But for him to come sit here, that speaks volumes about who he is. Mm-hmm. And I believe if the city is is really about taking it to another level, we need to respect and value a person like that. Even if you don't disagree with him, pick up the phone and call him. Email him. He said that. Mm-hmm. But I believe that is a guy that wants best for the city. And that was pretty big that he came. And Yeah, uh, I remember when you told so. me, I was hype. I was like, yo, this is... This is uh, some real journalism right here, like you breaking news. So I was very, I was happy for you too, cause I knew that, I knew that would blow up a little bit. I was like, oh, people are gonna tune in for this, one hundred percent. That was crazy, cause that was a hot topic at the time too. That was crazy. That was crazy, yo. I couldn't believe that he was gonna. I, 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 up until he sat in that chair, I didn't believe it. I thought he was gonna back out. I thought somebody like you going weird to share this news like this. Though they could have put that in the New York Times, mm-hmm. and everybody would have read it. You know what I'm saying? So for him to share that here. I, th- I need people to know how special that is. People at that level, they don't come down here. You know, so for him to take the time to talk to his constituents, his people, the people that he's actually serving, mm-hmm. that's something we shouldn't take for granted. That's a good point. That's something we should not take for granted. People don't like Tiny Morton, man. I, I, I've seen him around. I never met him. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I hear I've heard that a lot as well. Why do you think that is? He won eight championships in the city. There you go. People jealous. I feel like that's just at the end of the day. Like, I remember, you know, I'm coaching in AA JV last year. I'm like, oh, this AA stuff is about to be real grimy. Yeah. Everybody going to be, you know, uber competitive and everybody's mean, everybody's mean. But, like, I feel like everybody was cool last year. Mm-hmm. Like, we didn't, but granted, we didn't do too well. Varsity, JV was okay. Like, yeah. we didn't do too well. So, like, that, that, like, that, I won't say hate, but like whatever that dislike towards others or like that little like you know like not really being too friendly. Mm-hmm. It's easy to be friendly when you beat a team or when you have a chance to beat them. But like if they're killing you, that probably brings out that animosity from you. Mm-hmm. So I think that's probably just what it was. He's running all over the play, running all over teams for however many years. So build some bad blood. And he has that reputation of kind of having kids transfer, like fleecing other schools for their right. talent. You know, I know there's one kid that transferred to Lincoln from Grady, like his rival, their best player. Right across the street. <laughs> yeah. You know, we had Gino up here. He talked about him transferring out of Canarsie. So a lot of people uh, are resistant for that. And I was talking to Mr. Haskins, and I've, I've spoke to Tiny about the possibility of him being a guest on his podcast. Taz, I ain't going front. I get intimidated thinking about the prospect of sitting with Tiny. Don't you do your homework. You do your research. You got your... Homework, bro. He got eight championships. He got Sebastian Telfair. That's a pocket. He got That's Lance right Stevenson. There. You know, the work he's doing now as a PSAL director, he has some time as working with the schools in New Jersey. Like, yo, bro, where do I begin? 
Like, what's one thing you would want to know from Tiny Moon? The start. Like, I know he was like an assistant for the Coach Hart's thing, but when, once he took over, like, what was what was his original plan? Like, all right, how do I and how did he do it? Mm. That that would be my question. How did he lay that groundwork down, that foundation? I told you this podcast is going to be three hours. Like, his would have to be like 10 hours, <laughs> yo. <laughs> I'm still surprised we're still here. What time we started? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, a few things. The podcast. You helped me a great deal. I don't even know if you know it. You, again, I'm an outsider to this high school stuff. I, I'm learning through you guys, you, Baker, and stuff. You, you, you'll text me something. And it's funny because you text me as if I know what you're talking about. And I like, I don't like real quick. There's a clip circulating right now from the podcast. I had uh, the Eagle coach, Kevin Hamilton Jr. And I'm asking him about one of his uh, former players, his first D1 player, Zaire Williams. Mm-hmm. The first time I ever heard that name was from you. Right. We were watching Seton Hall versus Wagner, I believe. And I'm talking about the Seton Hall kids. He was like, oh, yeah, Wagner got the kids Zaire. I'm like, who? Like, oh, he's from Eagle. He's from Brooklyn. I'm like, what? So that's the first time I heard about it. And then fast forward, I'm asking the coach about Zaire Williams. But. Oh, you've seen him play, though. But I didn't know he was oh, from you know the city. I, I didn't know he was a PSL nah, he, kid. He was, uh, no, when you guys played at that thing on Withrop, that he had the buzzer beater shot on, on against Uh-oh. you guys. That was That was, that was him? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, the, you know the play I'm talking about. That was about. a kid that did a crazy cross buzzer yeah. beater. That was him, I heard, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Homegrown right there. Homegrown kid. Homegrown kid. We played in a summer event uh, during COVID. Yep. So kid hit a crazy buzzer beater. Wow. Dang, I would have brought that up. See? I, I don't know. <laughs> but people always ask me about being on the podcast. Right? And I want to tell you how you get on this podcast. Right? Get your pen and paper. You ready? It is your reputation. It is your reputation. You know, what are the opinions and beliefs that are held about you? Not how you feel about yourself. What is said about you when you're not present in the room? You know what I'm saying? And I could point to so many examples on this podcast where there's individuals I had never even heard of or never seen play. Like, you think about Femi. i never seen him play a varsity basketball game. I know him from playing on the Coach Baker. Jaquan Carlos, we were on an AAU trip. Me, you, Baker, Coach Reg. And they brought up this kid who had all these big-time offers, and he ho- chose Hofstra. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know his name. I th- He was the kid with the floppy dreads. You know what I'm saying? So what is said about you in a room when you're not present? That's how you get on the pod. You know, there's never been anybody that's asked, yo, can I be on the pod? And then they ultimately be on the podcast. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And there's some people in the city that think, oh, well, I'm one of the hottest in the city. I should be there. Well, for one, I, I think the city's down bad. So if you wanted the hottest... You're probably the cause for the city being down bad. You know what I'm saying? So that it, it's not my job. And I go back to that Ray Haskin podcast because I was speaking the truth and somebody in the city got offended. I'm like, yo, bro, it's not my duty to protect you personally. Mm-hmm. I'm looking out for the overall basketball mm-hmm. landscape. And sometimes that means calling some of y'all folks out mm-hmm. and challenging your methods. You know what I mean? So that's how you get on uh, the podcast. Your Knicks fandom. You see it right here. I go back to grad school. Like, y'all was some real fans. Y'all was sitting in the back of class checking scores. Where's your family from? Morocco? Yeah. Both your parents. Mm-hmm. But you were born here. Yeah. Tell me about the origins of your Knicks fandom. Just being a little kid and my dad having a game on all the time. 
and when I was younger, you know, I didn't. I'm, I'm not trying to watch no basketball. I'm trying to watch these cartoons. Right. And my dad would always try to tell me, "Come on, watch the game, watch the game." But you know, at some point in a young kid's life, he changes the channel from Nickelodeon to ESPN. Right. So at that point, it was just Knicks. My dad was a Knicks fan, so there we. That's it. There's no. There's no. There was no negotiation. There was no. That's it. I'm a Knicks fan. Do you New know York, the only New York team? Like, I'm not a guy that likes to just go against the grain or yeah. like you know. So. That's the New York team. I'm from New York. My dad watches them. Done. Sign Do you me up. know the origins of his fandom? Like, I guess coming from Morocco? I think he just turned it. Same thing as me, like, as a kid, but just without his dad. Like, he just probably turned the TV on, MSG Network, New York Knicks. Oh, I live in New York. All right, here we go. Like, I, I'm pretty sure. I never really spoke to him about it. Yeah. But he, he does always mention how, like, when he first, like, the, what was it, the finals when the Bulls was playing Portland, that he liked Portland a lot because of okay. Cloud Drexler. Okay. He did say that. But then, you know, the New York team is playing. It's starting to win. He's yeah. slid with them. I thought you guys' fandom would be challenged when the Nets came. Especially when they came with Kevin Durant, Kyrie, James Harden. I'm thinking like, yeah, you guys are, are best. Your fans are the sport first. And these are some of the best players. Mm -hmm. But y'all serious about this Nick fandom? Yeah, we don't, we're not moving like that. We... Just loyal to the game forever. <laughs> we not no. Nah, I would never switch teams like as and a fan. It's boy. it's amazing to me to see Kevin Durant and um playing in like an empty stadium sometimes. But then you look at the MSG broadcast and it looks like Broadway every night. Yeah, like the, packed to the ceiling. The tourism helps with MSG about a, a lot of the tourists and like foreign people that's yeah. you know visiting New York. It's like, all right, let's go to Madison Square Garden, world famous. Without you know? question, bro. Mm -hmm. As a limo driver, I've experienced that. I've taken many people to MSG. They don't know who's playing that night. Oh, they just going to see the Knicks in Madison Square. How your team doing this year? Yo, I don't even know anymore, man. I'm get out get out of practice late. I come home. I'm tired. I gotta eat and cook and clean and. I don't even know what's going on. I think we're 500. Hmm. I th right? Am I good? Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure. If we're not 500, we're definitely like one game below or something like that. But it's close. How you feeling about Jalen Brunson? I like him. He, he's a point guard. This is what we needed. Somebody that's going to try to not make mistakes and not do too much and just handle the ball. Got you. Got you. You're also a Jets fan. We had a rough one last week. What's this year been like? Six and four... I feel like this should be a good year for the Jets, but then next thing I know, their quarterback is getting benched. Was that justified? I would. But that's like one of those things where, like, as a coach, I agree with it. But, like, that's – like, if you're in in there, that's a – it's a – you should do that. I would because I similarly did something to the same at Wingate, but people on the outside looking in wouldn't understand. Similarly, what, benching someone who they thought was a star? Yeah, because when I was at Wingate – you know, practices weren't too too good. You know, we, we still haven't turned the corner yet. And then, you know, <clears throat> we had a bad practice on Friday, I want to say. Guys were not locked in. So, yo, we're practicing tomorrow, Saturday, 10 o'clock, whatever. Do not be late. Or else you're not playing. Right. Starting five was late. So, none of them played against Brooklyn Tech. Wow. Mm -hmm. And then we obviously lost that game. It was ugly. But, like, I think after that moment was when we turned the corner. They got it. So same thing with the Jets. And for Zach Wilson too, a young a young quarterback, like for him to say, <clears throat> what was it? He said no when like if they asked him if he let the defense down. Yes. After his offense only got two yards in the second half yeah. of a football game. Yeah. Honestly, as a leader, yeah. 
even if you feel like you didn't really let them down, you could want to blame somebody else. But if the defense is killing themselves, holding the team to three yeah. points, you say yes anyway. Like, even if you don't feel that way, you still say yes. Like, you, you, as a leader, you got to take the, take the, what's it called? Take the brunt of the blow of the loss mm. off of the team that's, like, really grinding out for, for you. Sure. Same thing as a coach, too. Like, as a coach, if a team loses, it's my fault. If a team wins, it's their fault. It's their, it's their, they're the reason they won, the players, not me. Yeah. So that's just it's basic, you know, don't put things. You got you to gotta take the bad and then give up the good. Like, that's how I see it. So I think benching him. Is a good idea because it might lead to a loss this week. Let's just say I don't know, but like that loss now might be, lead to wins that we wouldn't have gotten if we didn't bench him. Right. And that's the exact same thing I did when we eight that time too. I was like, yo, we're gonna lose this game probably, but if I don't do this, we're probably gonna win more. We'll probably lose other games that we would right. win. All right, it'll pay dividends mm-hmm. in the end. Yeah, man. His his team had two yards of offense in the second half, and they asked him, "Do you feel you let the defense down?" And he said, "No." I was like, wow, that's shocking. Mm-hmm. That's a, definitely a lack of accountability. And probably the reason he's stuck around this long and been able to start is because he was a number two overall pick. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? The defense has been playing well for the Jets. So we'll see how that pans out. Taz, you're one of my favorites, brother. I uh, appreciate you being here. Appreciate you inviting me. All right, definitely. man. That's Tariq Tazgini. I'm William Holly, WBH Radio. We out.